I truly believe that, you know, real estate is one of the strongest investments. One of my old business partners called it tuition. I like that. You know, when you make less money or whatever the case is, because you're paying for it, but you're learning. I'll explain to them, you know, expect to be broke the first two years. It showed who bought and sold a house on a blockchain. You would know who owned the title previously. Kind of take away a service that you provide. It's possible. ChatGPT can be very, very useful, you know, for a variety of things. Welcome. We got Chris Miller from Atlantic Coast Mortgage. Great to see you. Thanks for coming. Great to be here. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You're good. You're good except for uh, the market. <laughs> it's a little slow. I got a lot, of, a lot of time on my hands right now. Uh, it makes sense. We've been working together for a long time. Great to have you on the show. So we're, we're close to December. Joyous time of the year. Joyous market. Yeah. I know, but in all seriousness, I think one of the things we're going to chat about today is this is a hard market, right? right? And like, especially in your world, loan officer. So, you know, our... I assume people are dropping out of the industry. Are you seeing that a lot yet? Is that something, you know, t tell me what you're seeing with just, are people coming into the industry because it's struggling? They right. think there's opportunity around the corner. Are people leaving the industry? What are you seeing? Well, you know, so I was actually at a networking event just last week and I met two real estate agents that just chose to get in the market right now. And, you know, it's hard to say if I've, you know, seen more people come in, more people leave, but, I think what's important is just to embrace that, you know, this business, there's waves, right? You yeah. gotta embrace the waves. And uh, I'm sure with it being slow, you're definitely gonna see people leaving because it's, you know, it's tough. Yeah, no, I, I've talked to some people who are like, yeah, I've been doing this for 10, 15 years, and like, I'm done. Yeah. And, and it's part of it is, I mean, you guys have a stressful job. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you get fought on rate a lot, and even no matter how good your service is, like, what would you say is the hardest part about your job? Um, you know, just trying to stay creative and, and, you know, dealing with, you know, these, these new objections from, you know, these consumers. I think, you know, with a high rate environment, you got the media putting out a lot of information. And now consumers, it seems like they come to us maybe not as trustworthy or they're a little more skeptical. So, you know, just, just making them feel as comfortable as possible and, and trying to navigate, you know, you know, the, the high rates and, and getting creative on on how you can help them. And, you know, the the, the industry is always evolving, right? Mm -hmm. So it's always changing. You always have to be ready to adapt. Yeah. And on that front, the creativity front. So, you know, what are you doing on the creative side of things in a, in a harder market and with skeptical customers? Yeah. Well, you know, of course, it, it's going to depend on every individual situation. You know, I think what's important for people to know, you know, if you have a borrower that might be tight on money, you know, they might not realize that you can negotiate, you know, that the seller pay a portion of the closing costs. And, you know, that can save them quite a bit of money and having little impact to the, their monthly payment. Sure. So I'll try to walk them through, you know, those scenarios and, and just show them there's different ways that we can structure the loan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, putting numbers in front of them, I think just helps motivate them and just really just move the needle, right? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I know we were chatting a little while ago, we were talking about short-term rentals, long-term rentals, pros and cons. Um, I think you have one at Ocean City, right? Short, a short-term rental? I, do. I uh, do. Tell me about that process. How did you find it? Because actually, 
you know, some of my friends were looking into that and it's such a saturated market. Right. You know, how do you find this property? Yeah, you know, so I, I bought this uh, condo in uh, October 2021 and I had known for some time that I wanted to jump into the short term uh, market and just, you know, see how that goes. I have two long term rental properties. And originally I was looking in Dewey and, you know, I came to realize that Dewey was substantially more expensive. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was because it's more of a family oriented town or what the case was, but I had been to Dewey a handful of times. I had never been to Ocean City other than maybe one time. So I didn't right. know the area, but I figured, you know, with there being the amenities of the beach and, you know, the bars and golf, yeah. you know, let's jump into it and uh, bought a place um, you know, October 2021. And I've, I'm learning that it's uh, much more time consuming than the long term rentals, but it's a lot of fun. And the times that it's not rented out, you know, I have the ability to go out there with my family and yeah. friends. And it's, it's how often are you able to make it like on a yearly basis? How often do you go up there and yeah. use it yourself? Well, so with Ocean City, you know, that's more seasonal. And yeah. in the summer months is when I'm bringing the most revenue. So I'm finding myself spending more time out there, you know, in the fall, you know, October, November, you know, in October, you're getting weekends that are 70 degrees. And yeah. I've realized that there's a lot of great golf out there. Um, so where do you play? Uh, I would say my favorite course is Rum Point. And then you have uh, Links at Lighthouse. So for anyone that is familiar with that area, they I'm, I'm sure they know those courses. Yeah. Nice. Um, oh, I heard you haven't joined the uh, 79 Watch Club yet. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, I'm still working on that. I'm still working on that. And it's funny you say that because a lot of my buddies would say, oh, this guy hasn't even sniffed in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, I did shoot an 81, though, oh, nice. uh, earlier nice. this year. So that, that felt great. Um, it only took me 20 years and <laughs> happened recently. And it took me so long that I actually bought the website, 79watch.com, which you should check out. Amazing house down in Pinehurst, North Carolina, talking about short-term rentals. That has been an interesting journey for us. So you know, get this house down there, it's awesome. We actually got it very beginning of COVID, new construction, people were nervous about the market. And so listed for a million, we got it for 875. It's been a great property. The one thing I did notice though, is we brought in a lot of revenue. And we're like, oh man, we're gonna have this great cash flow business. And like, it's amazing how much of this cash gets spent on just repairs or, management companies or additional costs you just never thought of. So that's the one thing about short-term for her. You know, it's like, I think it's definitely worth it still, but right. our pro formas, unfortunately, are not resulting in what we thought they would. Yeah. So I'd like to mix up the little questions from time to time. So what is, what's the worst advice, if you can remember, that you've ever been given in your business career? I can't say off the top of my head the worst advice I've given, but I will say, you know, with the few companies I've been with, I've seen different styles of management. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen managers kind of have that pit bull approach, and I would say that's maybe not the worst advice I've been given, but maybe the worst style of management. Mm -hmm. I've seen. I just think, you know, what's important is, you know, you want to create an environment that people enjoy coming to. You know, some of the managers I've worked with in the past, they might not have had that approach. Um, I've also worked under great management, you know, mm -hmm. people that have motivated me and um, really helped me uh, elevate, you know, in my career. 
but uh, you know that whole aggressive uh, style. Yeah. Just, it's just not not my thing. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Makes sense. You know, someone out there, you know. I do think there's opportunity in a tough market. So like, you know, we were talking about, should you get into the market now? Should you get out of the market? You know, look, there's a burnout to real things. So I think, I know, I understand those people are like, hey, I've been doing this for 15 years, I'm out. But on the other side of it, yeah, I do think it's an interesting time right now for people to get into the market and get, you know, look at becoming a loan officer. What advice would you have for someone that's just getting in? The well, I think it's important to know that, you know, there's there's no overnight success, right? You know, some of the folks that I've chatted with that have just jumped in, you know, I'll explain to them, you know, expect to be broke the first two years. Yeah. And, you know, that's really the time that you're going to learn, you know, how to, whether you're becoming a loan officer, how to structure a loan, how to properly communicate to individuals on, on expectations and you know, and, and things that your refer- referral partners are looking for to just, you know, help facilitate the transaction. But just know that, you know, if, if you're looking to jump into this business, look at it more so as a long-term career, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be an overnight success. And, you know, definitely look for mentors. You know, when I, the first few years that I was involved, I had great mentors. And I remember the companies that I would join, I would look for the top producer, and I would just pick their brain because, you know, I want to eventually become, you know, one of them. I 100% agree with that. Um, a friend of mine just reached out. She wants to become a real estate agent. I was like, you know, find the best teams in your area. Like, there, there is true value there. They've, yeah. You know, they're large teams. They're successful. There's a path of history, the history of success. Yeah, it's, it's, it's learning from those, those people I've done it before, you know? No doubt. Uh, get over the concept of, oh, I can make more commission. You know, you're going to learn. You're going to, you know, it's tuition. We call it, I, one of my old business partners called it tuition. I like that. You know, when you like make less money or whatever the case is, because you're paying for it, but you're learning. Yeah, you're benefiting in other aspects, right? Yep, yeah. exactly. We met you through Mike Madigan. Yes, you know, sir. We are Mike, yeah. One of our top salespeople. You guys have done a good job of, you know, constantly being out networking. I think it's a good example of just relationship marketing and networking. Both of you guys have done a great job of getting out there, being in front of people consistently. Yeah. Um, you know, what are your advice on that in terms of like networking, pros and cons? When it's When is it worth your time? When is it yeah. not? Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I think it's extremely important. You know, it's that it goes back to that whole saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know, even though I think you obviously know some. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and it even goes back to, you know, the Airbnb, right? Like, I think having resources and knowing people uh, that you can refer to other people and just, you know, using their knowledge to basically, uh, you know, benefit whatever the situation is. Whether it's you know a contractor, a handyman, a plumber, mm-hmm. um, anyone in the industry, you know someone that knows uh, title work, and if you need to have a question for an attorney, you know you, you're not going to know who to go to unless you go out and network mm-hmm. and, and, and meet these individuals. Yeah, so market's tough right now, and you know different lenders are coming out with creative programs. You know what are you seeing that makes sense, that doesn't make sense? What are you guys looking at? So, you know, of course, it seems like everyone's talking about, you know, your 2-1 buy down. Mm-hmm. Um, Explain you know, that to the people that don't know what that is. Yeah, absolutely. So it's basically a problem solver for a short period of time. You know, for the first year of your 30-year term, your interest rate is 2% below the market rate. So if mm-hmm. 
you know, we're quoting seven and a half percent today for that first year, you're looking at five and a half percent. And then the second year, you're looking at six and a half percent. And that can be, you know, significant amount of savings and can be the difference of someone, you know, living comfortably with that mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea is that you, you'll have the opportunity to refinance, of course, uh, you know, within those two years or, or shortly after. Um, so getting creative there, you know, using the seller credit that I touched on earlier, whether, you know, a lender has an adjustable rate mortgage product, which we'd have, um, you know, that two to one, are there fees to that or, you know, great question. So that does have to come from a seller credit. Mm -hmm. So that has to be negotiated and it's depending on the uh, sales price, it's typically about two and a half percent. Um, the seller has to pay that. And then that's applied towards the savings for the first two years. Right. You know, it's funny when you hear people it seems like everyone's talking about, oh, you can refinance in the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the big objection to that is, well, Chris, what if what if rates never come down? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? If they never come down, you're you're getting the lowest rate that the that that, that it's ever gonna be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, if you can manage and you're capable, I truly believe that, you know, real estate is one of the strongest investments. Um I think that's a good point right there, which is if rates keep going up, then congrats, you locked in at the lowest that was available, right? Of course. And I, you know, not people, many people think about that. And the other thing is, yes, people are, you know, we're all, hey, what what happened recently, right? Oh, we had 3% rates. You know, yeah. I mean, but I do think human behavior is people get used to the circumstances around them. And so yeah. on there, it's been a year, a year and a half, at rates are a certain point. People understand this is the scenario we're in. Exactly. You know, and we have to, if we want to own, we need to do that. Right. And yes, it's expensive, but yeah, real estate has proven itself over a long term to be one of the best investments ever. Made. Right, right. So. And, you know, what's interesting too is, you know, historically or statistically, you know, the life of a mortgage is no more than seven to eight years, mm-hmm. typically. So I think what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, when they're looking to buy, you, you're likely not going to be in that property forever. Sure. Right. It depends on the individual you're chatting with, but you know if you're looking for long-term wealth, just know that you may not be in that property forever, and and uh, you know you can either rent it out. You just have options. Yeah, sure. And you know if we have limited inventory, there's a likelihood that even if rates go up, your house is going to be appreciating. And so yes, it might be wow, I'm spending so much more now than I would have at a three percent. But you have an asset that's appreciated. And the thing is, you know, location is so important, right? Luckily, in the market that we're in, we're in such a sought-out area. There's so much job opportunity here. So I, I feel very confident that the properties that I own, they're going to just continue to appreciate, you know, even in a bad market, you know, yeah. even if it's flat, it's still long-term. Yeah, agreed. You know, I'm seeing, it seems like a lot of people are talking about the whole chat, GPT, I think mm-hmm. it's GPT and AI. Do you see that having any huge impact to our industry? And and if so, what? what yeah, I think that ChatGPT can be very, very useful, you know, for a variety of things. So number one, I think it can be useful for like sales and prospecting. Okay. So I think there's some opportunities out there where you might have, you know, like, like I know some people that answer every Zillow call at all times. I've will answer like Zillow leads like all day long, right? Right. And so I, I think there's an opportunity there too 
whether it's a phone call, whether it's a text message where there can be some communication yeah. to make sure it's a true lead and not kind of a spammer. Right. And which would, right. I think, if you're, you know, let's just say people are responding to leads by text, they can ask questions for you, you know, yeah. in an automated way that's like getting real information to make sure it's worth your time to continue to communicate. Um, I think you kind of have also talked to some other title company owners. Uh, I'm in a mastermind of title company owners across the country. We kind of share ideas. What do we see in the market? And they've created a lot of automated AI responses to get information out to to help answer quick questions for consumers, yeah, uh, for clients of theirs, um, you know. So I think there's some interesting automations yeah. that are very interesting that will like make people's life a little easier, which is a good thing too. Um, on the AI front, I mean, definitely on a marketing perspective, I mean, some of the stuff is unbelievable out there. Like, hey, design me a flyer that has trees in it and does, you know, has two people talking, whatever, it just pops it out. Done in seconds. Yeah, it's done in seconds. So it's definitely a real thing. It's gonna mix up the industry. It can be used for sales, marketing, customer service. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, you know, on that front, you know, how do real estate agents use it? You know, probably on the marketing front. Yeah. Um, Maybe maybe on the listing photo options to, to add a little bang to that. So. You know, I think and it'll be interesting to see kind of how it all plays out. Now, there's always, you know, for the title industry, yeah. people have said, oh, blockchain is here. You guys are going to be eliminated. You know, I, I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts on that is, number one, to get all the transactions on a blockchain is going to take 100 years. Uh, it's going to take a long time to do that, in my opinion. Also, real quick, yeah, I'm not too familiar with blockchain. Yeah, so, so blockchain basically it's like so if you think of blockchain like crypto, yeah, if you do a transaction on crypto, it's on the blockchain. So there's okay. no way to like fake it. So it's almost it, like in the cloud. Yeah, like, yeah, in a sense, it's in the cloud. It's a transaction that happened, and you can't like forge it one way or the other. Yeah, and so the same concept would be if it showed who bought and sold a house on a blockchain, you would know who owned. it. The title previously, okay. and who now owns it now. There's no way to so, kind of forge that, and that would kind of take away the service that you provide. It's possible, right you know that that would be the concept. Now, the thing is that you know I think a lot of people don't know is yes, we provide title insurance, we clear title issues, yeah. but on you know we also hold money in escrow, and like California. Escrow is a business, title is a business. They're actually yeah. separate. Here and most of the states that we're in, we do both of them. Yeah, you know, on, on any given transaction, I would say there's probably a hundred questions that get asked, right? Like wow. from the agents, from the consumers, from the lenders, back and forth. Hundred. Yeah, I would say a hundred questions yeah. over the course of 30 days, right? And those questions could be, how do I get my EMD to you? How do I do this? So there's so much communication yeah. there. I think there's a role for our business, you know, no matter how good the automation gets done or how good the technology gets, because you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars of people's money. And, you know, we are, you know, have a full-time IT company to make sure wire fraud doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, we are, you know, there's so much communication and questions going that I don't see that ever eliminating, you know, title companies, so let's say. Or at least we'll be retired by that time. <laughs> so, yeah, so that would be kind of my thought on a little bit more like blockchain AI stuff. Yeah. No, you're, you're completely right. I mean, every individual, they have a different story. It's amazing. I feel... The 10 years I've been doing this, I'll get a new question almost every other day. 
Like the lawsuits, the NAR yeah. lawsuits. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what are yeah. your thoughts on the NAR lawsuits? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I know, I would say, you know, I'm not, I don't know all the specific details. Right, right. I think that, um, I think, you know, transparency is key in all situations when you're dealing with compliance and you're dealing with these lawsuits. So, you know, it sounds like, just more clear communications, yeah. getting people to, you know, potentially every buyer or seller sign contracts that right. that is very clear and what's being paid, you know. It's, but uh, I don't truly have, I don't know. Yeah. Don't well, it's know. interesting. I was chatting with some agents about the matter and uh, apparently it all came about because there was a transaction somewhere in Missouri and the uh, the client was an attorney, and on the day of closing, he noticed that he was having to pay the uh, the buyer's agent commission. Yeah, and he felt like he wasn't disclosed that information. Which I'm shocked that they were able to win the case, knowing that all the agents we work with they have very they have disclosures yeah. that go out. So it's like that had to have been disclosed to him. And like you mentioned, I don't know all the details, but. Um, I just know that some agents are concerned that it'll have an impact to buyer representation and if the buyer will be responsible for paying their agents uh, commissions. And yeah, I mean, there's still so much information to be revealed. I can't imagine it'll have any type of immediate impact. Yeah. But uh, I think that would be bonkers if uh, the buyer had to pay their agent commissions. And, you know, that'll take away from a market that could be approaching that seller's property, right? Yeah. There's been many clients that I've worked with that, you know, either take advantage of a VA loan program where it's 100% financing and they don't have that additional 2.5%, sure. 3% after closing, you know, to think that they have to pay, you know, their closing costs to the lender, the title company to help facilitate that transaction. Yeah. And then for the seller to expect them to pay more, it's just... Yeah, that no, will it, impact them. Yeah, well. it will definitely impact. That will impact the industry, how things are done. I remember I used to live in San Diego twenty years ago, and they had a lot of like one percent only, and they're like, "We're going to change the industry." You know, it's, what I find interesting is twenty years later, you know, people still, you know, will pay full commissions for great agents and yeah. people that can get their household at higher prices and. You know, if you're great at what you do, you deserve to be paid for that, you know. Right. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes up in the real estate industry. But, you know, there's no doubt that well, there's government regulations, you know, people are looking at the industry and, you know, there's shakeups all the time. Yeah. And it's, you know, how do you pivot and figure out what to do with that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're not as old as I am and younger. must be nice. Um, but in terms of, you know, a lot of the younger generation, you guys are doing social media. You've got video strategies. Do you find those tactics useful in, you know, as being a loan officer? Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think I can certainly improve on my social media game. I, I think it's important to put content out there, you know, and educate the consumer. You know, when it comes to Instagram and Facebook, you know, a lot of the how I approach, you know, those platforms is I want everyone on there who follows me to at least know what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I might not put out as much content as I should be, but at least they know what I do. So when that time comes, you know, mm-hmm. they can reach out. And, and I think social media, it, it's it's huge. You know, I, I've earned, uh, you know, clients that way. Yeah. 
So I, I need to improve on that. <laughs> I need to. I, maybe I need to set up my own podcast and uh, you know bring bring partners on there. Maybe I like it. Uh, um, I can I can tell you about the. Uh, we have a playbook ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> see it. There we go. Networking, right? It's yep. like it is a hit and miss situation. So I've gone to some things where there's like two people at an entire event for like, right. you know, it's on a weekend. I've given up like the weekend saying, oh, that was a bad decision. You know, do you have a networking gone bad story? You know, and where you might have put a lot of time and effort and then it just yeah. complete dud or ridiculous. Well, you're completely right about the hit or miss, right? It's a numbers game, and that's why you just have to constantly be networking because you, you can leave an event thinking to yourself, wow, I got nothing out of that. Let's see. There was one opportunity. It was uh, it was actually a broker's open, and I felt honored to get the invitation to help host this broker's yeah. open. And, um, you know, there was probably 25 agents that showed up, and prior to going to this broker's open, without e me even thinking about it, you know, I had allergies, yeah. and I had taken a uh, a Benadryl, right. and it wasn't the non-drowsy Benadryl. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I show up to this broker's open, and as I'm driving there, I'm thinking, well, why am I so sleepy? I'm yeah. so tired right now. Like, I'm not in, you know, I'm not in that, that social uh, mood I need to be in. Yeah. And it, it dawned on me that I had taken this, uh, this drowsy Benadryl, and... I know that's probably a weak excuse for uh, my, my networking abilities at that time, but I, I just, I, I probably had maybe two conversations of the 25 agents. <laughs> hey, hey yeah. read the label. Read the label. That's the lardies, right? That's a big deal. Drowsy versus non-drowsy. I like it. Yeah. And stuff. Right. We used to do sport and social. I have a sport and social club in San Diego. And you would show up to these events and you bring your tent, you set up the booth. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, hey, there's gonna be this event, there's gonna be 200 people there. Like I remember going to one and there was literally, I was the only one. You know, it was like, <laughs> no one gave me this event. It's yeah. like, I, and so, you know, at a certain point, I think I, I gave it a chance. But, yeah. you know, like that's the, and it's actually, talk about deflating, right? It's like, man, I put all this effort in, I'm giving up a weekend, I'm doing whatever, and there's nothing that comes from it. And that's where the grind comes from. You just, right. you need to know, like, yeah, you just got to keep doing it. And yeah. it actually, sometimes they work. Yeah, I actually went to an event. Um, yeah, and I don't go to as many events anymore, but I went to an event a couple weeks ago. It was a conference. And, you know, randomly met a guy who's good friends with my uh, good friend out in California, who I actually went to last week and saw. So, and now we're working together. You know, yeah. it just, you never know. Exactly. Right? And you just gotta put in the time and you just gotta know sometimes it's not worth your time, yeah. but eventually it pays off, right? Yeah, there, and there's been huge, you know, positive outcome from networking events. I'd say a lot of the people I work with now are mostly from from networking. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. It's good seeing you. Hey, hey, uh, by the way, I do know why I called you Chris Harris. Two of my good friends growing up, Chris Harris. Is that right? Yeah. All right, well. And so, you know, there's just, you, know, you got a Chris Mo right now. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Uh, great seeing you. Appreciate you coming. Yeah. Yeah. Thought we could do this. That was awesome. Thank you, buddy. Yep.